Burr. It's the news, according to me. Oh, what a... It's, it's not as cold as it was, I guess. Got that going for us. We have... Uh, wow. It's still cold out there. I think it's 14 degrees right now where I'm at. It was uh, well below zero for a couple days there. I, I had to take off on Sunday... Welcome, by the way, to the show. This is the news according to me. This is your host, Kevin. And I've it's it's Wednesday, January 17th, late in the day, 147 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I am in the home studio this morning, this afternoon, this afternoon. I have been I have been all over the, I don't I don't know if any of you have heard uh, travel this this week has been very challenging. I had to leave on Sunday morning, uh, fairly early Sunday morning, actually. I had to head off to D.C. Um, I actually did run into Brett Baer, who's a Fox News guy. Um, not, not somebody I have a lot of respect for, by the way. Um, I, he, I, you know, he's, he has kind of shown himself to be a GOP establishment type. Um, didn't have really much of a chance to chat with the guy, but, uh, I, I, I wanted to, but I, I really, uh, I knew that if I started getting into it with him, I would start asking him very pointed questions. I, I just wouldn't be able to hold back from that. So <clears throat> that, that conversation didn't go for it. So it's just, it's a conversation I didn't want to have. So I, anyway, anyway, the, um, so I ended up, um, going to DC and then I went to, uh, well, actually, I, I met up with him in Miami. I ended up going to Key West for a little while. I was supposed to spend uh, a couple days down there, and scheduled. I got down there and schedule changed. I had to come back to DC, and then next thing you know, I'm I'm uh, I ended up in where did I, where did I go? Oh yeah, I came. I came. Okay, okay. I remember now, somewhere in there, I went to, uh, I was supposed to go to Little Rock. That all changed. That, everything everything changed. I, it, was, it was supposed to be in Little Rock. I was supposed to be in some other place. I got, I got uh, it, 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 just to give you an idea, Chicago Airport was, most air, air, almost all the flights were running at least two hours behind. Dallas Airport, almost all flights were running anywhere from two to four hours behind. I think it was on average, it was over three hours behind. They had uh, de-icing problems in Dallas. They had issues with fuel in Chicago because the fueling system apparently broke. I, I still haven't heard what happened. They said if, if something froze up. Well, it, it, jet fuel doesn't freeze up. It, it can gel. But the, the system there in, in Chicago, they have everything runs, almost all of it runs through the ground. There's almost no fuel trucks there. Most of it runs through the ground. And they pipe it through everywhere, in which that doesn't freeze. But it was, I think, at least 11 or 12 below zero, I think, there on Sunday morning. And then I think it was also, uh, or maybe it was Monday morning. It was down to zeros, less than temperature. And then it was, uh, of course, the wind chill. But the wind, wind, this is an interesting thing about wind chill. People think that, well, the wind chill factor. If you have a, an, 
and an inanimate, or if you have, yeah, if you have an, a, 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 an object, say you have a, a metal pole standing out in a, in a field, the ambient temperature is 34 degrees. It doesn't matter if there's wind or not. The temperature of the pole will be 34 degrees. Now, here's where things get different. Here's where things change. Windshield does not, windshield only affects you because it feels colder than it is. Because it hits your body and your, it cools off your body. Now, here's what windshield does. If there is moisture in the air, this is why you see that we still, I don't know if you were, when you were a kid, maybe you went out science class and you spun that little thing around that a thermometer and a wet Q-tip on the end of it or whatever it was and you, you dip it in water or whatever and you spin it around and it gave you the relative humidity where... The, the, um, if there is moisture, let's say there's a fine mist or rain and there's wind and it's cold, the evaporation of that liquid will take temperature away from that object and it can actually go below the ambient temperature slightly. However, wind, wind, wind chill itself does not make the temperature of that object go down lower than the air blowing across it. Now, it will cool that pole down to that temperature much quicker. Let's, let's say that the sun has been shining on that thing all day and it's 80 degrees. And the wind picks up. Let's say you painted that pole black. And it was absorbing all this energy from the sun. There was no wind. And the ambient temperature outside was 34 degrees. And then the, the, the pole itself, because the sun is shining on it, is going to be above 34 degrees. It, it might be 40 degrees. And the wind picks up. The temperature of that pole is going to go down very quickly relative to the speed of the wind, how much wind is passing over it. It's going to radiate the heat off of that thing. Now, if you spray it with a little bit of water continuously, the evaporation of that water will carry more temperature away from that pole and it will actually go, it will chill it, even chillier. This is how a refrigerator system works. It's, it's uh, it only it uses other chemicals. You can, there are evaporative uh, refrigeration systems that use water, but there, there's also uh, in air conditioning systems use water. It takes a whole lot of water and it will only, it's only efficient down to a certain temperature. But the, um, that's why we use things like Freon, and things that can go down to even a higher temperature, have a much lower boiling point than water. Anyway, there's your science class for the day. In other news, I have chai in my cup with creamy, sweet and creamy. Uh, now, I also have a backup cup. Now, this backup cup is kind of interesting. Before I left, I put this backup cup in my car and as I was driving, uh, I had to drive to Chicago to get that flight to uh, D.C. And as I was... Uh, I had this, this cup in there and I thought, you know, this, I'll, I'll just keep it in my car because it'll, it'll stay cold. You know, it's, it's, it's negative 10 outside. So I get back this morning. It's like, it was like 12 degrees, I think. It was all the way up to 12 in, 12 degrees all at the same time in, in Chicago. It didn't feel that way. It felt much colder just because everything was still pretty much frozen solid. Uh, my car itself was frozen solid. Everything was frozen solid. I, it warmed up fairly soon, fairly quickly, but it's about the time I got home, it was warmed up two hours later. The, 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 uh, 
I left this cup in there, and the cup had V8 Fusion in it, peach mango V8 Fusion, and just a slight, a little bit of tea, sweet tea. Well, uh, big surprise, it's frozen solid. And, of course, it's in an insulated stainless steel cup, not a Stanley cup. I'm not going to go down that road. But it's actually uh, frozen, still frozen solid. I don't think it's... It may have thawed just a little bit now. I don't know. But uh, interesting, the, the lake. Uh, I was flying over the lake, over Lake Michigan a couple of times the past week. Uh, Sunday, flying out, it, of course, it was not, it was just steaming like crazy. You could just see steam all over. All, it was just, because, uh, the, the, you know, water temperature is probably still in the 50s or upper 40s at least. And, uh, of course, the temperature was down, you know, well below, below zero. And there was just steam coming off of it like, like steam off of a pot. It was just, uh, just crazy. It was very, it, it looked, it was very beautiful, very ominous and very deadly looking all at the same time. And the, he had, we had a, so I took off from there and went, went to DC, ended up going to uh, Key West on Sunday afternoon. The uh, my return trip on Monday actually I came uh, I came back from key, from dis, uh, you know, I had to go back to D.C. that night. Uh, ended up going to um, from D.C. then to Chicago again on Monday. And as I was flying over Chicago or in, into Chicago, I, I in fact I took pictures of it as I was going going in there. It was uh, about half the lake was. I would say about, there was about 50%, I would say, of, of what I was flying over, about 50% of it was frozen. Big, big, huge flat sheets of, of ice. Now, there were some areas where it, you could tell that the, the wind was still blowing enough that there was enough. Uh, ice has a hard time forming when there's any kind of wa- you know, wave formations at much at all. And that's why a lot of times around the shoreline itself, if there's much of a wave pattern. Now, what happens is the, the ice starts to form in areas where there's not much wind, and that dampens down the ability for the ice, to, the uh, the waves to uh, accumulate on a lake. What they do is they, they start to build. So let's say, you know, if the wind is blowing out of the north, and Lake Michigan is kind of a north and south long lake. If, if the wind's blowing out of the north, by the time the the uh, the waves get to the south side of the of the lake, they're they're pretty tall. And on the south side, they're very short on the north side. This happens mostly going east to west. You'll see it on Chicago, the waves on the shoreline there are usually not very, very brutal. On the east, on the west side of, of Lake, of, uh, of Mich- state of Michigan, Michigan State, east side of the lake, the waves there tend to beat the daylights out of the shoreline there. And it's just because of the prevailing winds tend to be out of the west. So, <clears throat> there, there again, this is your, this is your meteorolo- Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a meteorologist. I'm not a uh, hydrologist. Apparently, I, apparently, I'm not a. My dogs have just gone crazy. Either the cat's chasing them around, or the, there's somebody here. So we, we have um, uh, all this is happening. Now, now, needless to say, while this was all going on, of course, there was the caucus on Monday. Um, and I, I, I got in late enough on Monday night. I actually, I actually ended up. Uh, where did I end up on Monday night? Uh, someplace. I, I did not plan on being there. I ended up. Um, Let 
Where did I end up? I ended up in Kansas City. Kansas City? I ended up in Kansas City on Monday night. Um, so it, that's where I ended up. And it's, it, I, got, I got in kind of late. Everything, everything was all screwed up because the flights were always messed up and everything, everything was just messed up. Uh, in fact, I got in, uh, I got in kind of, yeah, let's just say I got in kind of late to Kansas City. And then I had to leave out of there fairly early the next day because things were just messed, messed up. That's all what was happening there. So, um, and I ended up actually going to, uh, where did I go? From Kansas City. I went somewhere else. I don't remember where I went. I don't even remember where I went. Oh, I went to Miami. That's where I met up with Brett. Brett Bear. Yeah, I was. I, I assume he was on his way off to New Hampshire. I don't know, um, but I, I didn't get into a conversation with the guy. I just, so I just, yeah. I, no, not, seemed nice enough guy. Don't don't get me wrong. I just and and he's you know he's he is on a more on the, the concert leans to more on the conservative side as far as I know. But there are some phony people out there. No, it's just you never know. I don't know. I just I just saw his reaction and some of his comments that he's made about President Trump and some of the things he said about President Trump. I, I just have not had a a real good feel for his. I, I don't think he's really in touch with the conservative movement. He's more of a Lindsey Graham Republican. I think and I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope hope I am. But anyway, now having said all that. Speaking of Lindsey Graham, we have, we have, um, so I was watching, I got in, it was a Monday night, Monday evening I got in and I was in, was I in DC? I think Monday night, where was I? Where was I? No, that was when I was in Kansas, Kansas city. I was in Kansas city Monday night. I got in just in time to kind of watch the, uh, just kind of got, you know, snuggled into bed there. It, it was cold there. I think it was like 10 degrees there for five degrees, whatever it was. Maybe actually it was zero. I think when we got into Kansas city too, it was, it was pretty cold there. And got in, snuggled into bed there, and was watching the uh, the final counts of the caucus in Iowa. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this because it, you know, first of all, what is a caucus? It's, it's different than a primary. So there, we have there. It's uh, I'm not going to get into the technical side of it. I'm not a. I'm not even sure I know enough about a caucus to know to understand it fully what it is. What I do know is there's there's many precincts. So every every county basically has a has a, several precincts within every county. There's not just one one place where you go within the county. There's several precincts. Uh, it's much like a it's much like a voting th- type thing. But there's the caucus that happens is there you know there, it's more of a discussion, and people hear from each of the candidates. They they have representatives in each of the areas, and they they listen to the they have discussions within the within the groups and they decide who they're going to stand with and who they're going to vote for and put in for. And normally now this, the, the history of this, of the Iowa caucus has been that it's always been the first one in the state, in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the country, the old order of things, the old, um, 
normal way of thinking, philosophy, was that the Iowa caucus, whoever won the Iowa caucus, was kind of the the predecessor to the rest of the primaries. And people would invest heavily into Iowa because that would kick off the entire primary season. And when people would see someone winning or showing well in, in Iowa, that would garner support and funds and money so that the rest of the primaries, you could, you'd have more money going into the rest of the primaries. You had momentum. You had uh, much more support at that point because, oh, look, my, that, that candidate looks like somebody who can win. He's popular. That person's popular. He or she is popular. Let's get behind that person. And uh, if I'm going to donate to a campaign, it's going to be that person. And of course, the GOP, some people just gen- donate to the general GOP. And then the GOP then starts to decide who's going to be behind. They start throwing money behind whoever because they see that person as a candidate. And, and the reason Iowa has become or used to be such a popular place is because it kind of represented a a pretty decent cross-section of the American people as a whole with regard to the, at least regard to, with regard to the Republican Party. It also does to the Democrat Party. There, there's, now, <clears throat> here's what happened. And I, I expected Nikki Haley to do much better, especially in, there are basically two counties in Iowa that are, I would say, lean very liberal even within the, among the Republicans. Now, there, there were, were several little off-cast, little, little broadcasts, little newscasts that happened to mention, and most of them were local in Iowa, that happened to mention how, what the numbers were of Democrats who registered as Republicans, switched party, party affiliation, or, or joined party affiliation, I should say, with the sole purpose of disrupting the Democrat process, the Democrat uh, or the Republican process, Republican caucus. Now, this is, I don't know, um, I need to find this out. I meant, I meant to look this up and I apologize. I meant to look this up before I even got going. If New Hampshire is an open primary, um, is New Hampshire Is New Hampshire? I can't. That's that good. I'll see. We'll find out real quick here. Um, is New Hampshire an open primary? I, I don't know. And if it is, that that will. Um, uh, what what surprised me, and, and I want to look at this again. I want to get get an official map. One of the uh, broadcasters nobody's talking about this. You're not hearing, you're not seeing this a lot, very much on the uh, Iowa caucus results. Um, you're not hearing much about this. Um, uh, where's the images? Let's see here. Let's go to images because it's going to give me better. Yeah. Um. Well, this this has, you know, this has one of them, one of the counties going for Nikki Haley. Now, I saw the one I saw had had Trump on in every, he won every county. There was not even one that Nikki won. Um, 
which I don't. So I was kind of shocked when I saw it, and then I, but I never went back to look at it for sure to make sure that that actually is what happened. Uh, these are all images, and this is an image. Uh, Iowa caucus, DeSantis takes second. So DeSantis was in second place, and supposedly Nikki Haley won this one count. This is see, this is kind of a weird image here because it's showing that. Um, yeah, that's kind of weird. It's weird that DeSantis won, that got second place, uh, two two percentage points above Nikki, and yet she won an, an, an entire county. Now, my understanding was that county had a very large, it doesn't take that many. I think it was, it was uh, 200 and some or 47 or whatever it was, 247. It doesn't take that many people to, to mess up a primary in a, in a particular county because not that many people come out to vote for primaries, especially the caucuses. So there's very few people there. And what happened here was they had enough apparently to kind of offset the, the results in that particular county. And my understanding is, and I don't know what county that is. Let's see, if I can, maybe I can find it here. This is a little bit better. And if I could zoom in on that. Yeah. Whatever county that is. And they, um, but I, maybe this was after the actual totals were actually done and all the corrections were made that he actually won that county. I know it was very close. Um, but that is a very liberal county. There is a, a, the, the university, some kind of university is there, as Iowa State or whatever it is, is, is in that particular county. So that's, that is why uh, you've got, you got the influence of all the radicals in, the, in that county. That they probably, the college kids probably actually went out and got involved in it just to try to get Nikki Haley in there. They want to see Nikki Haley in there. She is much more a part of the agenda of the left and the leftists than they want to admit. Among your Republican friends, who do you know that supports Nikki Haley? I, I keep asking people this question. Who, who are the people on YouTube? Who are the people on the, the, the people in the Republican Party, the friends that you have? Who, who, are, they that are, who are these Nikki Haley supporters? Because I, I don't meet any of them. She had this really bizarre speech after her concession speech was Really bizarre. She acted like she was number two. She wasn't even in second place. And she was acting like she was going to bring this down to a two-person race. Now, DeSantis has, has jumped out. There are a lot of pundits who were Nikki Haley and DeSantis supporters who are now saying it is time for people. This was an overwhelming, historic victory with regard to Trump's win in Iowa. And it is time for the Republican Party to galvanize behind President Trump, show their support, and move forward. It's, Vivek Ramaswamy did the exact thing that he, he, all along, he was basically, and here, I want to bring this up too. What was the difference between Vivek Ramaswamy's message and Donald Trump's message? Very little. He almost entirely spoke the same thing that Donald Trump, that, that the Trump agenda was about. In fact, I would say he even dug a little deeper into it. He's very honest, very articulate, very, very charismatic about it. 
What's the difference between the two men? If their policies aren't that much different, then what's the difference between the two of them, and why would Trump be so much further ahead than Vivek is? The difference is life experience, track record, and recognition. This is a very key part of where Trump is in this thing. Now, I believe that Vivek is going to have some kind of position within the, the Trump administration, and I, um, uh, he's going to be a key player. He's not going to be VP. There's no way it's going to happen. I, I think it may be a Christie Noem. It's going to be somebody, I personally think it's probably going to be a female. That's what I personally believe. I don't know for sure. And it ain't going to be Nikki Haley. The possibility right now, some people are kicking around this idea, and this, is, this comes from Vivek. He was pretty sure that the, the way the GOP wants to play this is that they want to put Nikki in as their presidential candidate with DeSantis as their as the VP. That's where the, the establishment is right now. Now, the, the thing about DeSantis is this, and this is where this is where he's shooting himself in the foot. He had himself established as a very conservative, anti-establishment down-to-earth, good governor. Bucked against the system, pushed back on the media, spoke the truth, told the truth, and did what was right. Here's the problem. It comes down to doing his campaign, he has obviously shown himself to be falling down the path that the GOP has, has, has laid out for him. The GOP is very powerful. Don't be, don't be you know, don't kid yourself purse strings are being controlled by, is it Roma McDaniel, whatever her name is. And they have a lot of power. They wield a lot of power. The, even the Mitch McConnell group administration, his people, still, still carry a lot of weight in the party as well, even though he doesn't probably have an idea what's going on. You haven't heard much from him. Did he, did he make any comments about the Iowa caucus? There's a guy, um, what's the guy's name, who's a, he's a major uh, pollster. There's a lot of political pollstering, poll polling. Um, he was asked what his opinion was of the, let's, maybe I can find this. Um, as I did listen to it, just, he had, he had to admit, he had to admit that Trump, uh, if, 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 if the way things are looking, it looks like Trump could win the election. If he had to, if he had to place a bet right now, if he had to bet $150,000, he would bet that Trump would win this, this, this November against Biden. Now, again, here's the problem, folks. I don't believe Biden is going to be the nominee. I really don't. I, I am 95% sure 
that it's going to be someone else. I, I could be wrong. If I'm, if I'm not wrong, then they're, it, then they're just giving in because they know Trump, that Trump beats Biden. In fact, now the, some of the new polls now are just ridiculous. Trump is above, is, is over Biden to the tune of almost double digits nationwide. Most swing states, he's, he's even over him, you know, five to 8% in almost all of them. Now, having said that, let's see here. There's a place where, uh, oh, where did it go here? It's, uh, uh, it was back here quite a ways, apparently. I don't know, maybe I didn't even watch this. I thought I did. Yeah, it's, Oh, uh, Frank Luntz. That's the guy's name. Frank Luntz. It was, this was Mark Dice. I listened to Mark Dice this morning. He was mentioning about it. And uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, maybe I can pull this up and I can find um, the right the, right, the spot where... Here, here it is. Uh, here, here's the place where Frank Luntz is, is asked, I think by... What was the guy's name that asked, was talk, asking him the questions? It was just some some random guy. They don't show the guy. Here, here we go. Let's let's uh, let's listen to this. This is this is this guy is asking him. Uh, we'll see what he has to say here. If you had to bet one hundred fifty thousand dollars on who's going to win in November, who would you bet on? I never dreamed that I would say this, but I would bet on Trump. I never. I thought it was done. I thought it was over. You don't come back from an impeachment. You don't come back from January 6th. You don't come back from any of this. Bunch of... So, so... <laughs> and you should see the look on his face. It's, it, his, his face looks like it's melted. It's just, it's just, he's incredibly sad by this, to have to say this. Now, again, I think there, this is nothing but a bait and switch they're they're spending all the resources all the energy right now is against you know who joe biden and in the end this will not be a race against they're going to pull out somebody whether it's gavin newsom or, or whoever it is that they'll they're probably doing polls right now to find out who polls best and they're going to have that candidate come out and say, this, this guy can win against Trump. And it's going to be like the old two-step kind of thing. So that's what I think. Um, think of all the, the flyers, all the production companies right now that are producing things against you know, all the television commercials that are being produced against Joe Biden, all the effort and the money that's being, being spent. <clears throat> to run against Joe Biden, the marketing firms that are being hired, all the production. You can't just put this stuff out overnight. I mean, you can, but it's, it's, it, if you put out quality campaign stuff that's being done right now. And it will all be a waste of time because the person who's going to be the nominee will not be Joe Biden. I hope that when they're producing this stuff, they're putting it together in such a way that they can just pull his name out of it and still run their ads. I, I don't know. See how, see how it goes. Now, 
getting back to this whole thing, um, it, it's it's amazing to me that again we have people on the left. Chris Wallace looked like he was going to cry on Monday night. I was trying to flip back and forth through through some of the uh, through some of the broadcasting, and I, Fox News actually seemed to be um, fairly fairly even keeled about things, fairly straightforward. Now, in my opinion, they had all the wrong people covering the caucus. Sandy, whatever her name is, who was caught on a hot mic the night that they were calling it, they called it for Arizona. And this one, they, they interviewed this, they were interviewing this one lady. And she was saying how, I don't know, I'm not sure about this, this election and what's going on. And S- Sandy is on the, on the air. She doesn't realize she's on camera on the air saying, what are the, she, she thinks she's talking to the person, this other, other anchor. What's, what is she doing? We've called it. What, what, is she, what is she doing? We've already called it. What is she saying? It's like, like she's mad that we, we called it. We, it's done. Now, I don't know the news media. I don't know when they became the arbitrators or the arbiters of calling the election. All of a sudden, the election's called by the news media. So therefore, it is. We've pronounced it so. It was not even 2% of the vote in, and they were calling this for Trump. They're projecting Trump to be the winner. And then it was an overwhelming win. In fact, historically high win. Now, the, the Iowa caucus, let's, let's, let's go back here a little bit and talk about how important it is, how, how important the Iowa caucus is. It's not as important as it used to be. Mondale won the caucus, if you remember back in the Mondale days. This, was where, this is when the caucus kind of turned. It's been, it's been that long ago. The Iowa caucus became less relevant when Mondale won the Iowa caucus and then went on to lose miserably. Who, who has ever heard of candidate Mondale? The uh, Bob Dole won. I, I think Bob Dole, I think Bob Dole on the Republican side, I think he won the highest of the, uh, the, the most, I think he had the, the highest percentage win of the Iowa caucus until Monday night. Trump has beaten all the records on that one. Uh, he over, they, kept, they kept saying, well, if he gets over 50%, over 50%. Now, the reason why he, they had, he had to get over 50%, this, the, they, they didn't say this, but the, everybody was talking about this 50% thing. Why does he have to pick it over? So there were some, some people even asking the question, why, why do you keep talking about 50%? Why does he have to get over 50%? What if he doesn't get over? What if he gets 49%? You're saying he's not, he's not viable? And they were like, oh, no, well, yeah, some people have, have gone on to win the nomination. With, well, of course they have. Here's the problem. They think that all of the Vivek DeSantis candidates, or I'm sorry, support, is going to go behind Nikki Haley. They see DeSantis supporters and Vivek supporters as anti-Trumpers. That is not the case at all. In fact, I would venture to say that there are some Nikki Haley supporters that when Trump is the obvious winner, they're going to get behind Trump. Now, the question is, when Nikki Haley steps out of this race, and she will, she'll have to, at some point, she's going to step out of this race. And when she does, is she going to throw her support behind Donald Trump? 
don't think it's going to happen. So they were hoping that this this 50% thing would be, and they've even mentioned this a few times, well, she's within striking distance. Now, she is within striking distance in some states. I cannot find here whether or not, oh, no, I just, oh, I just, oh yeah, here we go. Um, I'm trying to find whether it is an open primary. Let me, let me just do it this way. Let me just, uh, maybe I can find it this way. Open primary states. Let's just look at that. See if I, see if I can find uh, states with open primaries. 2023. That's what we got here. Uh, all right. It's New Hampshire. What's that one? That's uh, Connecticut. There's Massachusetts. New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Open to unaffiliated voters, red or blue state Democrat. Primary election type. So, it is open to unaffiliated voters. So, if a person is a Democrat, in other words, independents can vote in either primary. That's the way I understand this. I'm reading this. That's the way I'm reading this. Uh, partially closed. Let's see here. Partially closed. Partially closed, red or blue, swing state, primary election type. Partially closed. I don't. They don't have any definitions here. Introduction. Let's. Let's get a primary. Alaska. New Hampshire. L M N. New Hampshire. So New Hampshire is considered an open primary state. Basically, is what it, what it amounts to here. The red or blue Republican primary election type. Open primaries. Republican. Um, unaffiliated. So it's. Uh, let's see what we got here. Open to unaffiliated voters, red or blue state Democrat. That's where we're at with that. Now, it doesn't, doesn't define uh, any of these other designations, which is kind of interesting. So my, my key, man, and my, my purpose for, for explaining this, it is not, I guess it's not a fully open primary state, but it's the closest thing to it. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a closed primary. It's an open primary. Open to unaffiliated voters, uh, yeah, that's, that's where it's at at this point. So, uh, Louisiana doesn't have a primary. Huh, I did not know that. That is interesting. So, what we have in New Hampshire, and the reason, and of course, it, it's, it's the first real primary where there's just a vote type thing, where they just cast a vote, there's no caucus, there's no discussion. The, the key to this is that people can jump over into the Republican primary and choose the candidate. This is why Nikki Haley will potentially, she could be very close to Trump and possibly win when all is said and done. And she, I think she has put a pretty good ground game in on New Hampshire, knowing that very fact. She's playing on this, and I think the GOP is as well. They're, they're trying to do the best they can to keep it going with the unaffiliated voters, as it's said here. Let's see where we at it. There's new there we go. So that that's why New Hampshire, there's gonna be a flurry of 
pundits, news media people saying that, oh, look, Trump is, you know, he's, it's neck and neck with Nikki Haley. Even if he wins, they're going to say, look how close she is to Nikki Haley. All because it's an open primary. Or not clo- it's not a closed primary. This is where they're going to trick everybody and try to try to help. Now, once Super Tuesday hits, which, of course, they're trying to keep Donald Trump in, in court on that day. Well, when Super Tuesday hits, there's a whole bunch of states that do the primaries. That day kind of determines who's going to be on the top because the rest of the primaries don't really matter after that. Once, if Trump comes in as the leader of, the, of Super Tuesday, uh, which I don't know this year when that is. Let's, let's, let's find out for sure. Um. When is Super Tuesday? 2024. Um, the, uh, oh, what do we have here? Super Tuesday, 2024, Tuesday, March 5th. So it's about a month away. Uh, I'm sorry, a couple, couple months away. Uh, a month and a half away. We'll see what happens with that. So we, we still have about six weeks or so, seven weeks, and then we'll, we'll have the Super Tuesday day, and we'll see what, what happens at that point. So this is my take on where things are politically right now. I wanted to get this in because I, I tomorrow morning, there'll be a normal show tomorrow morning and uh, Friday morning, normal shows uh, Friday morning, possibly a live rumble video show. Uh, it might be live on rumble posted recording as a podcast. It might be a live podcast with a live rumble. It might just be a live it might, it might, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen on Friday? But I'm, I might try to experiment with something on Friday. We'll see what happens with that. Um, but in the meantime, I, just, I wanted to get this show in because I, just, I really felt like I needed to comment on what, what my take was on the, the whole primary thing and what's going on with that. In the meantime, if you get a chance to check out, uh, I, don't, I don't watch Stephen Crowder as much as I used to. Now, Stephen Crowder, uh, he actually had Gerald on there and they were, he was, had a discussion with um, Alex Jones, of all people, about end time prophecy. And he actually had some very good information on there. He went through the book of Daniel. He went through the book of Revelation and some other, other end-time prophecies and spelled out some things. And I actually learned a couple things. Um, he actually pointed out a couple things that I had not put together before. Good stuff. And there were some other things I kind of, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But most of it was pretty sound. And, but I, what I did appreciate about it was their attitude towards it. We don't know. We're, you know, we're just... Read it for yourself. See what you think. And they weren't coming out trying to act like they knew it all. It was just a discussion, and it was it was actually very good. It was, it was quite long. I think it was an hour and thirty minutes or something. I listened to it on my wait on my drive back from Chicago. But it was actually worth listening to I mean, most of it until they got to the end. I think, and Alex kind of started chiming in more. And I I, I appreciate Alex's. It's just he's just not, you know, just his personality kind of rubs me the wrong way. I don't, I don't mind who the guy is or what he does is fine. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. But I just, I just, his personality just isn't. He's not the kind of guy I want to hang out with, you know, on a regular basis. I'm just not that. His personality is just different than mine. I don't know. It's, he probably wouldn't like me. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he would. I don't know. Well, maybe we get along fine. I don't know. You never, I never know about that kind of thing. I've, I've met some people like that who, you know, that you just never know. I think they're going to be one way, and then in real life, they're a different, different kind of person. But so who knows? So, yeah. so that's my, that's my uh, show for the day. And uh, I'm going to leave you with all that. Interesting things happening right now. 
especially with the court, the court cases. There's some interesting things. We'll talk, talk about the court cases tomorrow. Uh, Robert Gavea has got some really good reports. We, we kind of pouring over some of the things, summarizing some of the things he has said about the uh, Trump cases, as well as some of the things that are going on with the prosecutors behind it's, a, it's such a mess. Such a mess, these people. Oh. People don't have any integrity whatsoever. And then we have... Uh, more about the elections coming up and the things that are happening with some of that kind of stuff. And we might talk a little bit about end time stuff as well. I might just I might just kind of talk a little bit about some of the things that Alex and, and Gerald were talking about. Interesting stuff and what the, the whole, what I think scripture says uh, quite clearly in terms of regard to some of the Jewish traditions. Folks, have a great evening. God bless. Thanks for listening so late in the day. Take care.